Good morning, church family. I'm glad to be here with you today. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Mary Getz. I serve on the leadership team here at the TAB, and I am honored to be um, speaking from the pulpit today. I was thinking as I prepared how cool it is that the past two weeks and today you have heard the word from some pretty awesome female leaders in our church. So I just want to say good job, Tab, for empowering our women to speak truth from the word because that's what God is uh, giving to us in this season. Uh, it's really appropriate that today was communion because the portion of the prayer that I get to speak on today is give us today our daily bread. And let me tell you, this preparation was a worship service for me, which is always a good sign for you guys. <laughs> um, I also want to say, for those of you who might be note takers, I apologize. My PowerPoint is so sparse. Um, I went on a journey with Jesus after I submitted my PowerPoint to Letha, so there's not really a lot going on the screen today, just some basic points to focus on. But we are going to take a journey um, into three layers of encounter with God's grace as we explore this portion of the prayer. Um, we often refer to the Lord's Prayer as rooms. You may have heard us uh, point to that as we're preaching in this series. The room that we are in today is give us today our daily bread. This room is a special room, um, and it does not have to be a room that we only enter in moments of desperation, and it is a room that can be a habitual place where we encounter a deeper measure of God's grace to us. I think as we think back to at least the last um, three major points of the prayer, so hallowing God's name and asking for his kingdom to come, those two rooms prepare us to enter into this room, right? Um, I love how Christine touched on in her servant sermon about the care that Jesus had for the Jewish people that he was speaking to when he gave them this prayer, because there are layers of meaning in the words and phrases that Jesus uses in this prayer that were meaningful and held a lot of weight to the Jewish people. So Jesus was thinking and caring for his people when he gave them this prayer. It wasn't just to sound beautiful. Um, the disciples would have known in an instant when he said, give us this day our daily bread. They would have immediately remembered Moses and the Exodus and the Israelites being provided with daily bread by God. That was an immediate connection they would have had in their minds. It's one that we have in our minds if we go back to this portion of scripture. Today... We are privileged to already know that story. We're, we already knew that God provided for his people in the wilderness manna from heaven. We also have a revelation that we see, we see it when we partake of the bread. We also have the privilege of the revelation of Jesus as the bread of life. 
So he is a new bread given to us for eternal life and eternal sustenance. So this is the room that we are dwelling in today. It is a room of provision and a room of daily encounter with the goodness of God. Um, It's not just a call of the needy, not a part of the prayer you only include if there is a felt need in your life. Rather, it is a daily act of obedience designed by God from the beginning of the story of Scripture to help us understand our dependence on Him and His dependability as Jehovah Jireh. So let's jump into the prayer. It was just on the screen in a more pretty way, but um, I'm just going to read through the whole prayer again for us. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Okay, so I went to a Bible school, so the beginning of my, um, the headers on my paper today are hook, book, look, and took. It was a little trick that I learned in my studying and teaching the Bible class. I think that's where we learned that one. Um, So we are going to go into the look part of our sermon, which means we're going to pick apart some of God's word to understand more deeply um, the depth that exists in this one, two, three, four, five, six word sentence to God. I want to take us way back to, um, there's going to be a slide, Letha, that I skip. That next one, I'm just going to skip, or whoever's up there, I'm just going to skip over that one. Yeah, okay, thanks. So, um, when we go into a new kingdom, we need new bread. And we find this with the, those Israelites who had come out of captivity in Egypt. They needed new bread. Okay, so for um, over 400 years, the Israelite people were slaves in Egypt. 400 years, multiple generations, living under the rule of Pharaoh, who was an anxious, manipulative ruler. There were generations of Israelites who did not personally know and experience God as their deliverer. They were people who were slaves under this anxious Pharaoh. um, And Brueggemann says that Pharaoh was a dreamer. We know this in scripture. It's told to us. But he dreams only of the nightmare of scarcity. So his dreams were of famine, of what was going to happen, that there would be no food, that there would not be enough Well, in Exodus, we have another dreamer, who is Moses, who after the burning bush could say, I have a dream. I have a dream of departure. I have a dream beyond brick quotas. I have a dream beyond the regime of exploitation and fear. And I have a dream outside the zone of strategically designed suffering. So while the Israelites were in the wilderness, Uh, The chapter we're going to look at is going to be Exodus 16, which is up on the screen. In the chapters preceding this, we have the plagues. We have their deliverance from Egypt. We have the parting of the Red Sea in which they pass through and see Pharaoh's army behind them consumed by the waters. We have God providing them water from a rock. 
So the Israelites have seen a powerful God. They've encountered the power of God through the plagues, which took life, through the water, through the sea. This is their understanding of the God of their father. But this is a group of people who is coming out of captivity into wilderness where there is no chance of life around them. This isn't green pastures. And all they know is they are leaving an anxious ruler, and they are now being led by a powerful ruler. But they have yet to truly personally encounter the goodness of God in the wilderness. So I want us to look at the Israelites with a compassionate heart today and understand that in Exodus 16, they had been wandering through the wilderness for about two months without food. They know they're being led by a powerful God without an understanding of personally understanding his goodness and grace. That would be a scary place to find yourself. Um, so they began to grumble, an issue which we see throughout scripture um, comes up a lot with the Israelites and we give them a lot of flack. But imagine you're wandering through the desert with your family and you see no access to food and you wonder if this all-powerful God has led you into Egypt to just die. Is this some grand scheme of his to just show his power without any care or goodness to me and my family? We're going to starve to death here. So the entire Israelite community grumbled against Moses because they, they are kind of placing the blame on Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Instead, you brought us into this wilderness to make this whole assembly die of hunger. They remembered slavery as at least a place of guaranteed food, something that they did not have to that day. So they've left the anxious kingdom of Pharaoh to follow a God who had a new and eternal kingdom. But all they know is they left their pots of meat and their, their plates of bread, which felt like provision, regardless of the regime that they were under. At least we had food. At least they fed us, and at least we had enough of it. They now needed to discover bread from heaven. And this is the first layer I want us to kind of grab a hold on. New kingdom, out of the kingdom of Pharaoh, means new bread. We have to rediscover what provision from God looks like versus provision from the kingdom of this earth and from empire. Um, manna was God's divine grace to the people of Israel. Um, oh, I'm really trying not to say um during my sermons. I listen back, and it's like my number one, like, ah, oh, it's so frustrating. I need someone to call me out on it, so I just stop. Or just take a long pause to make you think I'm pondering deeply instead of saying um. So... Manna is divine grace. It is God reaching out to a people that he is frustrated with because they're grumbling to give them a personal experience of his goodness and grace in the wilderness. Exodus 16.4 says, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. 
and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day. This is the first instance of God asking for the Israelites to practice a daily step of obedience to him. They were to gather what was necessary for the day, no more or no less. And after the Israelites went out and gathered, in scripture it tells us some gathered a bunch, some gathered an excess, and some gathered little. But when they went to measure it for that day, it says Exodus 16, 17, some gathered a lot, some gathered a little. When they measured it by courts, the person who gathered a lot had no surplus, and the person who gathered little had no shortage. Already we see the miracle of God providing for his people, saying, mm, I told you to gather for that day. So those who gathered a lot, you're going to have enough for that day. Those who for some reason weren't either able to gather a lot, maybe because the guy in front of them gathered too much, still had enough for that day. Uh, a small miracle in the midst of gathering the manna. There was no shortage. Now manna gets its name, I love this, Brueggemann refers to it as wonder bread, <laughs> multiple times, from a question. In Hebrew, the manna fell down from the sky like flakes, and it was, in, it was left over when the dew dried up, it was left over, they gathered it, they ground it, they baked it, and made bread. Um, when they saw it falling from the sky, this was a new experience of provision. This is not something that was happening in the wilderness on the daily until God gave it to them. So they looked at it and they said, what is it? And the Hebrew word for what is man, and it is who? And so we get manna. The, the, the Israelites are rediscovering provision, a new kind of bread that rained down from heaven from God. So its name literally means, what is it? They are wondering, what in the world is this sprinkling of stuff from the sky? I kind of imagined, you guys know like instant potatoes, where it's like that flaky, kind of shiny stuff? That always amazed me as a kid. I was like, why is it shiny? Um, I kind of imagined that, like out on the ground, and they were to go gather it for their families. They were to eat everything they collected because it was just enough. And of course, there were some who chose to hoard it. And this is another area where we can choose to be judgmental of the Israelites or recognize places in our own lives where we have had a poverty mindset of what if tomorrow it's not there? What if? So I'm going to eat a little bit of my portion for that day. I'm going to keep it for tomorrow. What if my child is hungry? What if, what if someone else gathers too much and there isn't the goodness of God that I haven't fully embraced yet as an Israelite? What if? So they hoard it. Well, what happened when they hoarded it was it became infested by worms or the sun melted it away. So God was breaking into the wilderness in an act of divine grace Asking for a step of obedience and providing for that day. Give us today our daily bread. The Israelites were being invited to trust in a powerful and now good and gracious God to receive for that day. One of the coolest things I learned when um, listening to this is he also set it up that they were to gather six times a week. And they were to gather a double portion on the sixth day so that they could rest on the seventh day, 
which we all know to, to be the Sabbath day. God had not commanded the Israelites to take a Sabbath yet. This was not a practice in their lives yet. So God provided for them before he even commanded them to rest on the seventh day. God's provision preceded his asking them to obey him. And that is a powerful thing to contemplate, that God, in his grace, said, well, in about 14 chapters or so, I'm going to need them to not work on the seventh day. I'm going to command them to take rest. And I will have already built in provision for them before they even knew that they needed it. And you'll never guess what the Israelites did, though, when he said to rest on the seventh day. Don't you know that some of them went out and tried to gather? And it, of course, got moldy and melted away. There wasn't any for them to gather because he told them to rest on that day. What a gracious God. Like, how, I, I can't help but think of, like, toddlers when we think of the Israelites in these things. Like, you can't even just follow this. The one thing I asked you, just, just re- the, and the thing I asked you is rest. To trust me enough that on the seventh day I have provided for you for six days and I'm going to provide for you for the seventh. And you're like, I don't know. I'm scared. I don't really trust you. Maybe I didn't even really listen to you. So I'm not, I'm going to go out and try to do this on my own. This is a daily encounter with God's grace to ask, give us today our daily bread. Um, That idea of provision brought me back to when I was four years old. And I accepted Jesus after watching a claymation Davy and Goliath Easter special. It wrecked my four-year-old heart. And I remember walking out, we had like a carpeted, you know that like kind of useless hallway when you have steps and then there's just like a banister and there's just like this big kind of space, but the banister overlooks like the front of your house. I remember kneeling down and putting my nose in between the two wooden banisters and praying the prayer of salvation for like six or seven times that day because I wasn't quite sure how it worked. And I also remember sticking my nose in between the banister but also like looking to make sure my mom and dad saw what I was doing because again the mechanics of the prayer wasn't quite sure how they worked wanted them to know I had done it enough times I personally had not encountered the fullness of God's goodness and grace yet to understand that when my little heart chose to follow him in that moment it was done Um, but I think of that because the provision of God for my salvation at four years old preceded my salvation prayer. It preceded that moment in the hallway because Jesus had already sent a sacrifice of Jesus to die on the cross for my sins that I had not even committed yet before my parents had committed sin. He had provided that salvation before I even knew I needed it. God has been showing us his provision for us before his commands and call to us since the beginning of scripture. So when we say, give us today our daily bread, we are acknowledging a God who has provided for us in his divine grace since the beginning of the story that he has told us. <clears throat> well, that was a little sidetrack. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, but I just imagine, I hope that in the Israelites' heart, when God commanded the Sabbath to them, they recognized his, his extra measure of provision in that. I hope at some point they were able to say, oh my goodness, we, don't have, we will still have food. This is already built into what God has given us. We can do this. God is good. Another kind of check or deeper level of an experience of God's goodness. <clears throat> All right, Exodus 16.35 says, The Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to an inhabited land. So the Lord also provided quail at night, meat at night for dinner. Obviously, we're focusing on bread for the purpose of this sermon. For 40 years. So people reading Exodus when it's being written know this. They know that God provided daily meat and bread for his people for 40 years in a place that... um, had no viable life support systems. The wilderness was the wilderness. Grace is the occupying generosity of God that redefines a place. God redefined the place of the wilderness for the Israelites, not as a place to go out and die of starvation, but a place where they daily, twice daily, Encountered the goodness and his grace through his provision for them for 40 years. So this is another check in the Jewish people's understanding of God's provision. So give us this day our daily bread is an invitation to the Jewish people to daily encounter the goodness of God each and every day with each and every bite. Now... This is our first layer. So this layer of God providing um, provision of manna. This is our first layer of God's grace in this prayer. Now this second layer is God's kingdom, Jesus, as the bread of life. Um, in John 6, I believe, I don't know why I have it, I don't have it on here. Um, oh, here we go. John six thirty through 41. This is something I will not have on the screen. I apologize. But in John six thirty through 41, Jesus is teaching Jewish people in Capernaum who were asking him for a sign that he was who he said he was. And they said, what sign then will you give that we may see and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you true bread from heaven. Another instance where we see the Jewish people attributing provision to an earthly person instead of acknowledging provision from God. So first they said, well, we should have just died in Egypt because at least there we got bread from Pharaoh. And now they say, well, don't you remember Moses provided manna from heaven to us in the wilderness? And he says, no, it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. There goes their hearts going 
I want a deeper encounter of this grace. This sounds like something deeper than what I have, something deeper than the provision experience. Give me this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. Guess what happens? At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I come down from heaven? So Hart states that in their thinking, if Jesus were a prophet like Moses, then his miracles would be superior. So in their minds, Moses is still higher than this Jesus guy who's just dropped on the scene, right? Jesus, in the previous chapters, has just fed the 5,000, but he just fed the 5,000 one time on a hillside. Meanwhile, Moses fed an entire nation for 40 years. So here again, we find the Jewish people looking towards provision from another as superior than what the kingdom of God had for them. They need Jesus to reveal another layer of his divine grace to them that is better than what they have now. They need a greater bread. They need a new kingdom that was just initiated through Christ coming to earth. And again, they need a new bread that is Jesus himself. Through Jesus, we move from temporal physical bread to spiritual and eternal provision. What we receive from God is now of eternal consequence and it is life-giving. Therefore, our petition for daily bread is not related simply to the context that we find ourselves in today. It is not related to lack or abundance, but rather a call to remember who God is and the eternal significance of the things he has given us. This is heavy, because there are days when my felt need for provision is real. There are days when our felt need for provision is very real. And we enter this room in a desperate place. We enter this room, we know what it's like to lay in bed with like anxiety in our stomach over what's coming next. Or how is this going to happen? Or can it even be done? This is a reality for us that our temporal needs are real. And what God is asking us to do is have a habit of remembering who he is, hallowing his name, and daily saying, you have always provided for me since before I existed. And I am choosing to trust that, even though I don't recognize the bread you're providing for today. It is new. It is not what I've held on to for most of my life. It is different, and it's scary. But I know who you are and who you have been, and I will trust in the daily bread that you are asking me to seek. Um, so that's our look portion. All right, God asking us two times we see related to this, give us today our daily bread, a call from a new kingdom to new bread, from Egypt to the wilderness, from Moses to Jesus, from the kingdom of earth to the kingdom of heaven. God is asking us to rediscover what our daily bread is. He became our bread before we existed. God is asking for us to obey 
and our our obedience is asking for his provision. But in that space, he provides the necessary hunger to seek him. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you just really feel the needs that are in your life. But Psalm 73, 26 says that my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So when I enter the room where my felt need for bread is so real to me, I will remember that God will give me the strength necessary to even ask for the bread. He is the one that provides. He is the one standing next to me, putting his arm around me, rubbing my back, and providing the strength to even ask for his provision in this space. So I have two points uh, for my took portion today. And that is, we are utterly dependent on God. The Israelites and the Jewish people and we ourselves today have to remember that without God we have nothing. Regardless of where we find ourselves in abundance or lack, it is all from heaven. Scripture states it in so many places um, that what we have received has come from him. This is where I think going back to the beginning of the prayer is so important because when we rightly worship God, we rightly understand our dependence on him and who he is to us. When I worship him as healer, deliverer, the one who saved me, the one who brought me out of my sin, the one who um, continues to provide for me, my accomplishments and my work hardness disappear because I remember who God is. And, and I position myself. I say, hallowed be your name. This is who you are for me. Jehovah Jireh, you are my provider. That is the way that I can remember that I am utterly dependent on God. But the beauty of our utter dependence on God is that God is utterly dependable. When we practice the daily habit of saying, give us today our daily bread, we recall his dependence throughout scripture and throughout our lives. We don't ask it without an entire Bible filled with explanations of God's dependability and faithfulness to us, without a personal encounter with his faithfulness to us. So my asking reminds me that God is utterly dependable. He fed the Israelites for 40 years. He gave us his son as a new bread for eternal life. He is dependable. Um, The other day, I was hustling away as an Instacart shopper. Those of you who know me know I like a good side hustle. Um, And I was driving around, and um, I was driving through Mars and Cranberry. If you do Instacart, that's a really great spot to do it. I don't know if you've seen some of the houses out there. Um, But I was driving by these houses, and I was was trying to picture. I was like, man, what do you do to live in this house? Um, This is... This is just, this isn't my neighborhood. Um, so I just had these feelings. And I, I had a fleshly moment because I'm rolling around in my minivan doing Instacart. And I'm dropping off stuff like in these houses that have driveways that like have a full circle so that you just like drive around. And um, I had a fleshly moment. And then I immediately checked myself because come on. And I immediately went into gratitude. 
because I've learned that when my flesh rears its ugly head, that um, being grateful to God is the best way to get reoriented um, with his goodness to me. So I started being thankful, and I I was um, brought to the provision of my van that I'm driving in Instacart with, doing Instacart in. Um, if you if you hear it coming up a hill, it sounds like a motorcycle. I don't know why. It's like the loudest. <laughs> it's, it's the best little van. It's a Mazda MPV. And when we purchased it in October of 2017, in our minds, we were kind of getting to the place where our kids would do sports, they would have friends, we would want to bring, be able to do like carpooling and go to events and bring friends. So we're like, a van seems like a logical next step. This is the next step in our um, life. So October 2017, we get this awesome little van. And then in November 2017, we get the call to be foster parents to four-month-old triplets. And immediately, that van is filled with five car seats and us. What a good God. What provision. Before the need was even felt, he provided the space for us to care for these babies. How good a God he is. Or when I'm thinking of these, these homes, which I would not want to clean anyways. Like, can you think of that? No. No, thank you. I think of, and I think God helps me think of, there's two um, times when I'm in my home often that I'm brought to gratitude. And it's one, when I'm sitting on our couch and I'm just kind of looking at our living room space, which we've made kind of cozy. It's the one room that like stays the most clean, even when the rest of the house is a little messy. And uh, I am so often brought to gratitude for my home and the people that fill it and the space that's been given to us. And then there's another time when I walk, we have a bedroom on the first floor, and I walk around the corner, and there's a big window that lets in light, and there's our piano. And I'm often struck with gratitude for my home in that place. And I know that comes from God, but that home is, is kind of tiny when you look on the outside of it, but that home has housed our family. It has space for um, any of the, you know, compiling of foster kiddos that we bring in, triplets, brother, sister, um, toddler. Um, it's housed AI staff when they needed a place to land. It's housed our family when they come to visit us. And I have just never been more joyful than when I am grateful for that space. And God brings me to that place regularly. Um, that's my daily bread. Going to him and saying, you have provided this beautiful, functional, much easier to clean home, this awesome van... That's actually being used by a friend this weekend to take some of her, some kiddos to a lake house. That's provision from God. And that's something I can go to him daily and remember and say, God, when I need my daily bread, I remember who you are and I remember what you've provided in the past. And I am so grateful. Meet me in this space. Encounter me again with your grace. Your divine grace needs to break into this moment of need that I'm experiencing now. It's an invitation. It is not a place of desperation. It's not a place where God shames us for our need. It is an invitation to experience on a deeper level God's grace and goodness to us. He has always invited us into a deeper understanding of his goodness to us. The Israelites got to experience a powerful God and then for 40 years daily experienced the grace of God providing for them. 
And we get to daily step into a deeper encounter of God's divine grace to us when we enter into the prayer and say, Give us today our daily bread. Our manna is not the pots of meat from the empire, but heavenly provision of eternal significance. What God has given you has eternal significance. It invites us into a new kingdom. It invites us out of anxiety and the spoils of empire. It is an invitation to taste new bread through Jesus Christ and to see his eternal provision. Eternal provision from a God who is utterly dependable. It is a safe place to ask from God. This room of the prayer is a safe place to encounter God's grace. It is a safe place to be raw and vulnerable and receive um, our needs met daily. For him to meet us in this room and to declare that he sees us and that he knew our needs before we even entered it. And he wants to meet us today and grant us our portion for today, our daily bread. No lack, no surplus. It is an invitation to encounter God's goodness today. I wanted to read to you before I end. Um, I don't know, Jake, are you closing? You can come up. Um, I will admit <laughs> that while I was doing this, I kind of got to my Jewish roots, and I was like, I am going to bake some challah and use it as a sermon illustration. Well, you'll notice there is none here today because I tried twice yesterday and failed miserably. It's been a minute. Um, but it, the challah, when I was in college, I, I was blessed to be... Um, in relationship with uh, two of my roommates who were Messianic Jews, and I got to explore that part of my heritage a little bit. And every Friday, one of them would make challah, and they would bless the bread. And this was just a powerful, tangible way to enter into this room of prayer. Um, and I've always um, just appreciated traditions that bring us into the habit of um, entering into God's grace. So that the prayer over the bread is Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech Lahalam Hamotzi Lachem Min Haaretz. And it says, Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth every day, every day, not just Fridays, every day, God is asking you to come to Him and recognize his goodness to you and his dependability in your need and say, give us today our daily bread.